Greetings, everyone. My name is John Gilwar, and your host for Pocky Flavored Popcorn, a podcast that talks about character development, storytelling, movie reviews, anime, manga, anything that's geeky within the cinema culture. And yeah, so we're gonna have fun with this episode. Again, this episode is brought to you by Anchor.fm Podcasts and Spark Ride Nation, my awesome website. That it's still in development, but you will still get posted on each episode how it's going. So far, it's still a lot of old stuff on there, but we will, you know, continue to develop it even more and more. Um, but check it out. The site's already up. I just need to post some recent activity on there before we get to the topic on hand i guess i'll talk a little bit about myself since it's already in like maybe the third episode into this podcast i recently moved to atlanta from palm bay florida to pursue filmmaking up here and so far it's been a wild ride i've produced one main short film i've been featured in a couple feature films played a couple background characters dynasty just recently released their second season and i'm in episode five so if you ever catch it (laughs) i'm in that episode as one of the background people in the Let's see, in, I think uh, it's a poker scene. Uh, you, you'll see me, I have the glasses on. <laughs> I'm the short little Asian guy. So this podcast, we're going to be talking about Always Be My Maybe. It's a movie at, on Netflix that was recently released last month, the end of last month. But when I first saw the trailer in the beginning of the month, I, was, I wasn't too hyped for it, but it looked really, really funny. It looked like a good like rom-com. And I love the actors, uh, which starred Ali Wong and Randall Park. Those two just have amazing chemistry. And also Keanu Reeves is in it. So if I had to compare this movie, it would be similar to Just Friends. If you've ever seen that movie, it has Ryan Reynolds in it as the main star. And he basically like goes out of town because he's been like fat shamed from his hometown. So he pursues a big uh, career in like Hollywood and, you know, the... I guess the celebrity industry. Long story short, he basically goes back to his old town because of some mishap that happens with an actor, or not actor, a, a songwriter that he's working with. And he rekindles a friendship with this girl that he, he, he loved back in college, high school. But uh, because he was fat at the time, they never really you know, moved past the friend zone. So that's why the title is called Just Friends. Until obviously you know, he turns into a huge major celebrity hunk and of course they fall in love at the end anyways this movie plays for that same beat for beat you know what's funny even though just friends is probably one of my favorite romance comedies and probably one of my favorite holiday movies to watch i want to say this movie always be my maybe i had no clue this was coming but it really hit me home like it, it it's struck a chord with me maybe i don't know if it's because i'm asian or the storytelling was just like on point uh, there were a lot of cliche moments, but at the end of the movie, I teared up a little bit. And I didn't expect that from this type of movie, you know. I thought it was going to be a nice, sweet ending, you know, like you you see in a lot of romance comedies. And it, no, it, it took a big, deep cut into my fields. And I got flipped upside down. I was like, holy crap, I did not see that coming. And I was just so shocked. So if you haven't seen Always Be My Maybe with... um with Ali Wong and uh, Randall Park. They have beautiful chemistry. It is such a great movie. Uh, Keanu Reeves in this movie was just so hilarious. He played himself and... Well, I guess I'm going to give you my spoiler warning before I start talking more about this movie. Okay, so spoiler talk now. This is going to be a spoiler spoiler review. So, so tread lightly. Here we go. So yeah, Keanu Reeves does play himself. Uh, sorry for spoiling that earlier. But yeah, he does. And But he plays a very... A more 
charismatic himself. You know, I I don't think it's really him portrayed as he would play himself if he were to really play himself. <laughs> if that makes any sense, he he played a very more upbeat and very outgoing person. He had he had that crazy personality. You know, like the crazy celebrity personality that people think that. All all the media that you see Keanu Reeves in being a more humble guy and giving like his seat to like old women in trains and buses and <laughs> sitting in a park alone like that <laughs> that's not the same Keanu Reeves in this movie. This Keanu Reeves is like he just got off the set of like John Wick three and then decided to hop on this and just like kept the momentum going <laughs> or something <laughs> because he was still really really crazy in this movie. But it was Keanu Reeves playing as Keanu Reeves and that. That whole scene with him in it, I just like it. It's it was so awesome, and I loved every minute of that. So if anything, go see it for his scene in it because he's an amazing actor in this amazing like really rom com of a movie. Um, I love the diversity in this cast. I'm glad it's an Asian movie, and I'm glad Netflix did this. Now that Hollywood, you could tell like the Hollywood is like getting more and more out of the whole whitewash system, and they're all speaking up about uh, other like cultural. Actors, uh, I'm glad the Asian community is finally stepping up, and uh, we're getting more of that, you know. And I, I see like great potential for a lot of Asian actors now with uh, movies and cinema. Uh, it's still low in the margin, but uh, it, Crazy Rich Asians came out. I have, I'm not gonna lie, I have yet to see that movie. I heard good things about it. Trailers didn't do it justice for me because it looked like some sort of like typical Asian movie with a higher budget, but. A lot of people said it was really good, so I'll pro- I'll check Crazy Rich Asians out, you know. But this movie, man, this is this one was a hitter, and I had no idea it was. So, anyways, the story goes is that there's these two uh, kids. They grew up together. Basically, Ali Wong's character, who's Sasha, and Randall Park, his character Marcus, um, they grew up together. And Sasha would always hang out with Marcus's family because. Her family is always busy doing something else, so she's always being left alone. So she always has to cook meals for herself and do things on her own. So as a little kid, uh, her and Marcus were always like by the hip. They were never separated, and they beca- they became really close friends, you know, growing up. Till something happens in a movie. Basically, the mother, Marcus's mother, passes away, and the father, played by. Uh, James Saito, him and Marcus, you know, obviously had rough times uh, during that point. And Ali's character, Sasha and Marcus, one evening they decide to, you know, just go out and try to have fun and try to loosen up and try to forget about the situation or try to like, you know, not forget about it, but just kind of like ease away the tension a bit. And they end up, of course, uh, having sex in, in, their, in, in Marcus's car which is a funny scene and then they go get like Burger King at the <laughs> at the end of the evening um, but this is where the drama happens and this is where she leaves it's because like I guess Sasha was trying to tell Marcus that you know as much as he uh, as much as she knows that he lost his mother that you know she lost she lost her too because she was always with Marcus and his family. So it was like losing a mother to her as well. So it impacted her just as much as he did. But of course, Marcus said some dumb things saying that, oh, you don't really know because she's not really your mother and she's really my mother. And he went that route, you know. So obviously she gets angry and pissed and she goes off. uh, And we don't see her until 2019. And uh, she's, she becomes this awesome, amazing celebrity chef. 
and she's opening restaurants left and right and uh she's getting married to this rich this other rich asian guy can't remember his name but they decide to before they get married they decide to uh i guess have this little separation for a bit i guess he's got something going on in india and they have and she has her restaurant to open in san francisco right so they decide you know what let's take this time to actually separate and see the world as singles and then it will strengthen their bond when they get back together before they get married i guess that's where he was going at with that logic i don't know it sounds kind of dumb but i guess it was it's kind of like a one last hurrah before they actually see what the deal and get married but anyways that kind of backfires and he kind of like she kind of throws him off the boat and he realizes it's not the one for her. And at first, now that I'm thinking about it, because at first I was thinking that was kind of quick of her to just like dump him after like a couple of days already like away from this guy. Uh, but then I realized that in the beginning of the movie, she already got her heart broken with the person that she really loved, which was Marcus. So she, I don't think she ever really technically put her heart into anyone that she's dated afterwards, in all honesty. So that's probably why. And that's my basic hypothesis of that situation. But then, after she goes to San Francisco and she hangs out with Marcus and his friends for a little bit, they, they try to rekindle their friendship. It was awkward at first, and then they slowly got back together, and they started liking each other more and more and more. And then, obviously, after she broke it off with her ex-fiancé, she told she tells Marcus that he she's seeing another guy and so happens to be Keanu Reeves of all people, <laughs> and and Marcus he's kind of like unfazed about it because like he knows that he still has feelings but he's also seeing this one crazy humanitarian chick I guess she you know she takes care of kids and she cares about the culture and all that stuff but she's very very like hippie in a sense in this movie which is kind of weird and kind of like very outlandish for her character to be in this movie but it, it worked anyways the the four of them go on this double date thing and and then they all end up in back to keanu reeves's place and they play this weird game kind of like a truth or dare kind of thing and and it ends up with marcus and keanu reeves wanting to kill each other basically <laughs> literally they said those words out of their mouth the card was if you were to kill someone in this room who would it be and keanu reeves was like well i want to kill marcus and then marcus is like well i want to kill you keanu reeves and they ended up like fist fighting and all that stuff and keanu reeves doing some weird ass shit <laughs> after all that fiasco going on sasha sees keanu reeves as a crazy person after that and kind of just like says, okay, this isn't going to work out, and Hippie Girl stays with Keanu Reeves as Sasha and Marcus go off. They have a little moment in the Uber that Keanu Reeves ordered for them because Keanu Reeves, being the nice man that he is, orders an Uber for them to go home even after he's been rejected. <laughs> I'm like, that is such a Keanu Reeves move. <laughs> oh my God. There are so many laughable scenes in this movie. Um, so in the in the Uber, they're arguing and talking things out, but it all works out. It, it the pacing was was fast but appropriate. So they talked everything out. They they actually like started kissing in the Uber, and they fell in love in that moment. It felt like a little too forced, but it wasn't forced because I guess they still had feelings for each other, like strong feelings that you could sense. That in the movie was an hour and forty seven minutes, so they had to move the pacing. But for an hour and forty minute movie, like this pacing was really good. And then. They go back to Sasha's rented house or mansion or whatever it is. They they have sex and they realize they love each other and they hang out all this time and like going back and forth. And of course, Sasha, the, the big two difference between these characters, I love how they, the character development uh, was portrayed in this movie because you could clearly see that Sasha, after a point, 
moves forward from everything. Because she was left alone, she always had to find ways to move forward in life. And Sasha would always go to the next thing, the next project and the next thing. So she went to San Francisco because she had opened this restaurant. Now she's going to New York because she has to open another restaurant. And she's a celebrity, so her life is always constantly moving. Marcus, on the other hand, he's still kind of with his dad. He likes to see himself as like a home care person for his dad, and he watches out for him. His dad is actually pretty fine. He's doing well on his own. And he, he actually works with his son, so him and his son have a business with like fixing like things around the house and stuff. So he's still with living with his dad in his own room, and... Uh, Marcus kind of feels guilty that if he leaves his dad, that his dad is going to get lonely and all that stuff because his mom's no longer there with him, you know, and all that jazz. And he has his band that he still likes, but their band isn't going anywhere. But all the characters in this movie basically tell Marcus that, you know, to to pursue this woman, to pursue Sasha, because she came back for a reason, right? It's not just to open a restaurant. It's to have this amazing life with her, right? But now that, like, now that they're actually together, Sasha wants to move on and go to New York and open her restaurant. But he, but Marcus doesn't want to go. He wants to stay with his dad. And but all his friends and family are telling him just go because there's nothing here for you. They say throughout the movie that he needs to move on with his life. At this point of the movie, I was thinking, why does this feel kind of these characters are really pushing him out of his life? And it feel like it's being like rushed. And again, I was thinking maybe because the movie is like a, a minute and forty, uh, an hour and forty minute movie or something like that, and they really need to do this. And that's probably part of it. But I've also considered like from the very first scene of this movie, you see Sasha's character, and Sasha is a character that lays it out, like lays everything out in front of you. Before she goes to New York, she tells Marcus that just tell me straight up because she says, I love you and I want to be with you and I want to do everything with you and I want you to go to New York with me. And she's like, but I want you to be honest with me. And he says, I don't want to. So she goes without him and she and she calls him a coward. You know, and fast forwarding to the scene where uh, she's already in New York and Marcus is with his friends and family. Why do the friends and family are kind of pushing him away? I mean, like, I guess his dad is fine with this new woman and his friends like know that their band isn't going anywhere and all that stuff. So I guess that could be a point. But then from the first scene you see, it's Sasha's character that really you're supposed to follow. I followed Marcus's character like at a certain point. He was basically the lowest point of the story because he's the bum living with his father. And then I realized, well, now that I think about it, Marcus should be the one pursuing her because Sasha is the one that had no one in her life. She had to keep moving forward. This is her identity. This is how she was when she was a little girl. So even though she's a celebrity chef and everything, she was always trying to protect herself. She she doesn't want to give her heart to anyone specific because her heart got broken when she was when she was in uh, high school when she when Marcus like told her off and ever since that point that was the point of that was the that was the turning point for her character and then from that point on she completely changed and she just went after her dreams she was a, she became successful and she just kept pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and never looked back and that's just how she is as a character Marcus on the other hand just stayed behind and coming up with different excuses and being a wise ass at some points just so he could feel better about himself but I never really took that to consideration until later on, late in that movie, that point of movie where he actually has to go get the girl. And that's where I love this movie so much because in Just Friends, as comparison, it was literally Ryan Reynolds' perspective. You followed Ryan Reynolds throughout the movie, beginning, middle, and end. This movie, it kind of, it goes 
it has a really strong division of both characters that you get to follow both characters at the same time and they both have strong uh, character developments. I naturally go for the underdog <laughs> and uh, Rando's character Marcus is definitely the underdog in this movie. He doesn't get the girl, he doesn't have the dream life. He, if, I feel like he's because he's around, he is surrounded by these celebrities and, you know, Sasha, who's now a celebrity, and Keanu Reeves and everyone. It's like, it feels like the world is weighted against him, you know. But I, I, I forgot that it was a Sasha movie. Even though the, that's, that scene felt like it was rushed where all his friends was just like, just go, man. Just, just go get the girl. I had to stop and think, yeah, he had to do that. He'd be stuck there. I mean, his friends understand the situation and his father understands the situation and they're all fine with that. Even though it feels like a rushed pace in this scene, it was still well executed because it's not his story. It's Sasha's story and this needs to happen so they could both live happily ever after, you know? Obviously, he goes out his way and he finally like drops everything, goes to New York tries to win Sasha over and Sasha's parents are also with her to uh, try to make up for lost time because they were never there with her as a child. They and Sasha gets gets all of it. She gets her family and then she gets Marcus coming back after him and and they have like a happily ever after moment and at the end they do something so special that really like teared me up from it was like a callback, a, a big old circle, a callback from the beginning of the movie where you see Sasha kind of cooking. Then she cooks with like the family, uh, with, with Marcus's family and all that stuff. And then at the end she cooks like the same, ex same recipe as what she did when she was a kid. And it felt really, really complete as a movie. So this movie was really good. Like I did not see that happening at the end. I thought I was just going to end with them, you know, living happily ever after and um, everything is just fine and dandy. But no, this movie touched on every single note that I loved. I didn't mind the pacing at all. And the the jokes, the comedy part of this movie hit on point every time. I was laughing on the parts that were supposed to be funny. Not a single joke I thought was kind of lackluster or too much. So it was definitely a great comedy movie, and the fact that it's just a all a, a mostly a big Asian cast, like I love that. I, I love the fact that you know Asians are getting more recognized for this kind of stuff, and Ali Wong is just an amazing actress and comedian, so she's definitely good. And uh, they're just both great, amazing Asian actors, and I'm glad they're getting their screen time. I wish I, I wish I had seen this in the movies. <laughs> I didn't have to pay a twelve, thirteen dollar ticket to go see this movie. So definitely a movie well worth seeing. Go check it out. I'm definitely going to check out Crazy Rich Asians. And I would say I'd like to compare the two because this is a really strong movie. And that stars a really great, a really great Asian cast. And Crazy Rich Asians I heard good things about. And, there's, and it's basically a rom-com too from my understanding so we'll see well i'm just gonna have to check it out and i'm gonna have to tell you what i like better and then i'm gonna do a review for godzilla for you and we'll probably review more anime i do want to talk about some of the anime that i'm watching this season uh involves rising of the shield hero the the ending part of it i've i've seen it since the very first episode when when it first aired and no lie it's probably my favorite anime of this season and last season as well it's just so freaking good and i can't wait to talk about that anime with you once this season of rising shield hero is over i'm going to talk about that mulan though i am waiting for mulan if i if any disney movie reboot i'm waiting for remake or whatever you call it 
I'm waiting for the Mulan live action movie. I know a lot of people are bashing on that thing, but this is Disney's like one chance to make a really great epic Asian Mulan movie. You know, I don't care that it's not a musical. That's even better for me. If it's an epic Asian movie about a girl who saves China, then I don't mind losing all the Disney uh, animated flares in it. You know, take that all out if you want. Just give me an epic Mulan movie. I, that would be my dream come true. I am literally looking at my Mulan poster right now that's hanging in my room from 1998. <laughs> so yes, I'm a huge fan of Mulan and I can't wait for that one. Lion King, I saw the new trailer with Nala. That looked amazing. Uh, I was kind of iffy with Beyonce's voice acting, but holy crap. I, I, I had to listen to it a couple of times because she, she fooled me. She sounded like Moira, I forgot her last name, but Moira, the original voice actress for Nala in the animated movie and I was like wow this is no doubt really really good I want to say I'm looking forward to uh, to that as well the one thing I really can't stand about like Disney doing these uh, live action uh, remakes for these movies is the fact that a lot of them are pretty much the same exact story and for the same exact beat. And what works with the animated movies works for the animated movies, and what doesn't work for the animated movies won't work. So if you're doing a live-action incarnation, it's not going to work. That's why That's why I didn't care for Beauty and the Beast that much. I don't know, that's probably why this Aladdin movie is not getting the much-deserved reviews on it, because it was playing beat for beat, you know. Um, but I'm not going to lie, Jungle Book was really good. Because that totally went off from what the original. And it was fine. They put a couple of little musical numbers in it. But that was perfect. It was, it was a great movie. Jungle Book, the live action. It was really good. I loved it. Because it moved astray from the cartoon. And Dumbo. I don't know if you've ever seen a Dumbo. But it had. I, it, the reviews weren't as good on Dumbo. But I loved that movie. That's probably one of, one of my more favorite movies by Tim Burton. I'm not going to lie. As much as I love some of his darker like tone animated movies, I love a lot of his live action movies that don't deal with horror aspect of it. You know, I, I love Big Fish and um, I love Dumbo. This Dumbo movie was really good. So if you haven't seen Dumbo, it takes place, I guess uh, how he starts it off is Dumbo already like pretty much possesses the thing of flying, whereas in the cartoon, he doesn't fly until the end. Well, this movie, he flies and he starts flying near the beginning of the movie. And that's, it was purposely done that way. And it pretty much revolves around this cast of characters that just, you know, uh, that, that tell us the story of Dumbo in their point of view. And even though the characters did seem kind of lackluster in the movie, this isn't going to be a Dumbo like review or anything, but it was still a great movie. And the characters, uh, I forgave a lot of the things because it was an original movie and it was original telling. And it was a really good movie, even though there, there are definitely the same beats in this movie that were in the animated movie, but... It was told in a different way, in a different perspective. And I acknowledge that, and I love that. And I love to see that in a lot of directors. This Mulan movie is going to be completely different from the anime movie. And I'm so happy about that. And this is why I'm kind of like digressing with Lion King, because it looks like it's going to be beat for beat as the animated movie. I, I love that it's the same director from John Favreau from The Jungle Book. I don't mind that. I love it. And he does amazing stuff. And the shot looks great. The casting sounds amazing. Everything looks really hype for this movie. The only thing that's really drawing me down with this live action, or I guess you could call it live action but it's not really a live action of lion king is the fact that it's beat for 
it looks like it's a beat for beat movie from the animated movie and i could understand you don't want to touch the original but like i said before some things would work on animated movies and some won't i can't say for sure if it's going to work for this type of movie seeing that it's not technically a live action lion king movie it's a cgi movie so you could get away with a lot of fake things going on but there are some realism aspects to it the color tones and everything it's very down to earth it's very realistic so i, I kind of wonder what how much are they keeping and how much is original you know um, and that's pretty much my uh, my thoughts on the Lion King live action movie. But from what I've seen so far, trailers and voice casting and like even some musical numbers and like the shots and everything, it looks good. It looks really good. Like a cinematic perspective, it looks really good. Like if I didn't watch the animated cartoon and it's not sitting on my shelf, this looks like a really good Lion King movie. You know, But because I have the Lion King movie, and I love the Lion King movie, and so does everybody else, it, you're, you can't help but compare it. It's going to be a tough one to beat, because Lion King is, is, is good. It, it's, one of the class, it's a classic for sure. Anyways, okay, so that about wraps it up for this podcast, this episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Sorry, this kind of ran a little too long. Moving forward, I am going to try to make my podcasts a little bit longer, because I do want to talk a lot about a lot more things and I'm trying to still find my groove to see how um, I present myself and like lay out my scheduling and platform and outlines for this show so that way in the future I have more of a consistent uh, I guess categorizing things even though I still don't really got the handle of it <laughs> another thing about myself I'm a very introverted person anyways okay so uh, yeah this has gone on far far enough long enough and it's hitting that mark. And I want to say thank you again for tuning in. Again, this episode is brought to you by Anchor.fm Podcast and Sparklight Nation. My name is John Gil Warren, your host for Pocky Flavored Popcorn. And I'll talk to you soon.